Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... Well, you know, um, and I know we're going to be talking about this, but my favorite place was the library. I, you know. Growing up, you know. When you grow up in a library, whether since you can first remember or from a special experience that first started weaving your life story with that most hallowed space for literature and knowledge... When the library is the space you favor more than any, that sets in motion a certain kind of life. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 466. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. Today I'm joined by Raul Colon. Raul's newest picture book is called Imagine, and it is a wordless story about a boy who finds himself called, perhaps even beckoned, to the art he finds in the Museum of Modern Art. He is drawn into the art, and then he draws the art out into his world. It's a book with a certain kind of magic, and I think you'll find that the magic lies in Raoul's own story of finding his way to art and to the great works. Thank you to our sponsors, Gallery Nucleus and Storyteller Academy, the Highlights Foundation, and Viz Media for helping make today's episode possible. Before we get started, I wanted to let you know for just one last time that I'll be in Austin, Texas at the Writing Barn, November 1st through 4th, as part of the Complete Picture Book Intensive. I'll be joining picture book author and illustrator Evan Turk and Abrams editorial director Tamar Brazis. It's going to be amazing. There are just a few spaces still open, so uh, visit thewritingbarn.com to learn more. And now, please welcome my guest, Raul Colon, the author and illustrator of Imagine. Welcome to the podcast, Raul Colon. I am so excited to make your acquaintance tonight. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, Matthew. You have been uh, prolific in children's literature and also, uh, I would say, iconic in libraries. So many of us have your art hanging on our walls, your, your books are, are filling our shelves, and, and your art is one that I think is uh, immediately recognizable and is distinct. And I say that with, with great uh, awe and love for what you do and for how you create. So thank you for, for being a voice to our children in that way as well. Well, I, I appreciate that, and I have to thank you because you are the ones who put the uh, my voice out there, actually. So um, 
that that way they find me. You know? Hey, librarians. So it's great. <laughs> yeah, you're the one. You're I, the heroes. <laughs> <laughs> I love hearing people talk about their librarian stories from childhood. And I know you've got uh, good ones because I know that that has, was an important part of your, your life. But um, before we get that far, would you mind introducing yourself to those listening who may not know you yet? Okay, well, uh, my name is Raul Colon, um, and Colon, by the way, is the way you pronounce the last name. Uh, Colon is actually the Spanish pronunciation of Columbus, or Colombo, uh, so there you have it. Um, I was uh, born in New York, in New York City, in Manhattan, uh, lived there for through my 10th year or 11th year and then I moved to the island of Puerto Rico and lived there through my teenage years through through high school actually and then came back to the states to work as you know in the graphics the applied arts basically graphic arts and eventually back to New York to freelance as an illustrator to New York and back again yep well so, I uh, I'm glad that that life has brought you back to illustration. I'm glad that 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 storytelling through words and through art is is where you've you've felt called and where you continue to share your gifts. The newest book um, that really brought us together tonight is Imagine, this gorgeous, gorgeous, wordless book that's sort of autobiographical, right? Uh, yep, a little bit, and. Um... As you know, I, I part of it imagining what would have happened if I actually visited, you know, a museum on my own. That's yeah. the, the the premise. But yeah, I was living in New York, and it's that's the setting and some of the things I used to do in, in the city. Yeah. So I want to ask you. Uh, I'm going to kind of hop oh, hop around all over, but I, right. I I wonder if if working with children as long as you have making art, seeing them, making art alongside them. I wonder if that is part of what what draws you back to telling stories of childhood. Uh, I know that we want to tell stories of child characters so that children can connect with characters their same age, but I find so many artists seem to draw from those pivotal moments in childhood, uh, walking into a museum, experiencing uh, art, not just in prints, but in in real life there in front of you. And here you've captured those feelings, that experience in Imagine. Is that something that you find yourself, um, as you continue making art, uh, reaching back into your childhood for inspiration? Uh, well, yeah, I because I, be, before that I did the book Draw, which yeah. was also <laughs> based on, on that. And, you know, when we visit schools, for instance, uh, illustrators especially, and authors, uh, uh, we find that, you know, children like exactly the same things we did. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, like I tell the children, uh, what happened with the artists, the authors, um, we, you know, their parents probably grew up, matured and forgot about all that. Usually the adults forget about that. I think E. e, e. Cummings, the poet, said that. But the children you know uh, the artists especially grew up but they never forget they're still children in a way we, we still think the way we used to think when we were kids i'm not meaning that we're 
Uh, I don't mean that we are um, <laughs> immature or don't want to grow up. <laughs> Those artists never still, grow up. <laughs> yeah, we, our brains still think the same way. We imagine everything. Yeah. We make fantasy. The same thing we used to do as kids when we thought about, you know, going in, the, in a rocket up to the moon. Well, we, we grow up, we still do that. So we relate to children a lot. Is that a muscle? That. Oh, I'm sorry to interrupt. Is that a muscle that you find personally you have to exercise a lot? Or is that something that your brain sort of naturally goes to, being able to imagine, being able to tap into those things that, as you said, as adults, we sort of seem to put up these inhibitors to stop us from just letting loose and, and allowing ourselves to delight in our imagination. Yeah, we don't do it consciously. Um, you know, I, when I talk to my colleagues, um, we actually think that way. <laughs> I mean, we see something in the street. I mean, I, I've been to, uh, I remember riding the subway one day and, um, well, many times, but, uh, I saw this couple that were the most, how would I say they, they had, I could say they had gone through really, really hard times. Hmm. They, they looked like they were homeless, seemed that way, but, and you know, ragged clothes, um, I think they probably had other issues, but, um, you know, maybe drugs or whatever. And I know that the people in the, the subway were looking at them and going, oh my God, look at those people, you know, that kind of thing. However, the way I was looking at it, the first thing that I noticed was that they were in such bad condition, a man and a woman, and they were very young. They were probably in their early 20s, something like that. And um, they were so much in love. They oh. were like looking at each other and caressing each other very tenderly. And I said, wow, what a romantic scene. Look at that beautiful scene. Whereas the world was looking at it as something, you know, terrible i was seeing it as something beautiful and I, and I think that's it we see things in different in a different way and, and probably a child will look at it that way too so i think that outlook is quite hopeful too which is maybe tapping into what it means to be a child seeing people that appear to have nothing and yet you're seeing that they have everything they have one another right. um seeing that hope in those situations well i like that i um uh, I was saying to you before recording that I'm about to see students soon at school, that, that we've had our summer, the teachers are back in session, which I know you know right. all about because your wife was teaching. Yep. But um, now we're, we're at that hopeful time that children will be coming next week. Um, and it's fun to have read all summer long and be thinking about what it will be like to engage children in reading and with these new books that I've been reading over the summer. And I think about Imagine and how you have this character who um, is skateboarding through New York and ends up uh, really sort of being called, being beckoned by this this bird, this pigeon into the Met. Um, and then from there, there's sort of this, I feel like a, a running a running message of, of, of a calling of listening to what's calling you and following it and delighting in it because sure enough, there's, there's art that calls to him and, and then quite literally comes to interact with him and he comes to interact with it. Um, and 
I, I guess that where I'm going with it is that I just want you to know, Rel, I want, now that I have this opportunity to speak directly to you, what a great feeling it is to think of the start of the school year and all of those opportunities we may be called to participate in, we may be called to interact with, with one another, with new people, with new experiences. And here uh, is a story that that's right there showing that that we can step into those experiences. We can step into the unknown and find great beauty. Exactly. And, and one of the reasons I'm, maybe you asked me before, I'm, I'm doing stories like this. Right. I, I was thinking a lot about how um, technology today is working, you know, works, and how children are basically as adults, the adults too, but basically the children are growing up. They're the first generation, basically, who are going to grow up with technology. Yeah. You know, 24-7. Fully integrated, um, no, no doubt. Fully integrated. And I worry sometimes that that sense of wonder, like you're mentioning now, could get lost. And one of the reasons I, I, I thought of doing a book like this, Imagine, was um, to try to get them to see, you know, what the world is like out there when you open your eyes and try to experience something totally different and you use your imagination and not just uh, what what a screen in front of you is telling you to do and because um, that's that's how you know you, you come up with new ideas that's how you come up with your own stories and they have that as, as children but I'm afraid after a certain age, they start losing that wonder a lot sooner than their parents did. So I want them to keep that sense of wonder for a lot longer time. You know, I like when you're showing this boy in Imagine uh, browsing the art, walking through the gallery. I like that amid other people that are uh, listening to the narrations on their on their phones or on different devices um, that as he's staring at this art, his, his first inclination isn't to, you know, whip out a, a phone or a device and start taking pictures of it, but just to stare and to, to reach out to sort of want to, to want to embrace it. I just thought that that was really, it really spoke to being present, being in the moment. Yeah, exactly. And that's the way I reacted when I would see art myself. I would just look at it, look at the colors, look at the way the artist drew, and I would take it all in. And that experience, uh, I wanted to share that. Yeah, that's the way I felt about it. And I don't know, you, you, and that's the other funny thing. What would have happened if I actually had a uh, smartphone or a tablet, you know, video game with me, and at all times, would I have felt this way? Would I have done that, uh, looked at art that way. I mean, I, I still would have been interested because I know children who are still art today. But I wonder how much that would have affected the way I looked at things like that. I wonder, so, I wonder when this book gets out in front of children and, and you are in front of those children as well and they are the way children do, interacting with this book, making their own stories, taking inspiration from you. I wonder, I wonder what it might look like for them to consider what their own experience might be if they've been to a museum, what their own experience might be to to be in this. I wonder what technology would look like to them if they would reach a point where they would learn 
how to transform that technology to make it to, to not lose that experience. It's really a cool thing, I think, that you're, you're, you're beckoning here. And now a word from our sponsors. The Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Viz Media. Viz is excited to announce that Pokemon Adventures, the most popular and longest-running Pokemon comic, is now available digitally. Visit viz.com slash Pokemon to read a free preview of the beloved All Ages series. That's viz.com slash Pokemon. A special thank you to our friends at the Highlights Foundation, who host intimate and inspiring workshops for children's authors and illustrators. The Highlights Foundation offers more than 40 workshops each year for adults interested in writing and illustrating for children and young adult audiences. The workshops are held at their beautiful retreat center in the Pocono Mountains of Pennsylvania. You can also visit their campus for an unworkshop and have your own creative retreat with cozy, private lodging and three meals a day. Come alone or bring your critique group. You're sure to feel inspired. Register now for Getting to Know Your Novel. Spend six weeks with the online course, then take a month to work on your novel and finish the course with a retreat at the Highlights Foundation. This online, in-person course gives you the time and teaching you need to really get to know your novel. Check out highlightsfoundation.org for details. Let me ask you, let me go back in time and ask you about about those times when you were first interacting with art. Or especially, I want to hear also about first interacting with the library. Can you tell me about where stories and where uh, art and paintings and those things came into your life or where you first started remembering uh, being aware of and, and, and being drawn to them? That's a great question because a lot of people haven't asked me that. Ah. <laughs> uh, you know, how, how far back? Well, I, they know that I, you know, since since I remember, I drew because I, I say that a lot yeah. in my presentations when I visit schools. But the truth is it, it got started. You know what? I, I have to say a lot of it had to do with reading. <laughs> <laughs> the art had to do with uh, reading. reading. How it had it? to do a lot with reading. Um, when I was really young, my mom was very, well, still is, very religious. She wanted me, and, you know, she spoke Spanish and English, but mostly Spanish. And I was going into school, learning English, kindergarten, and then, you know, my first grade. And she said, no, you're going to learn Spanish, too. Mm. So we're going to learn to read and write in Spanish as you're learning to read and write in English. So. At home, she would sit me down, take me uh, out at, you know, in the evenings and three or four evenings of the week, I had to sit down and read the Bible with her because she was very religious in Spanish. So I did a lot of reading and, you know, the Bible has a million stories and different things. And visually, you, you can imagine a lot of stuff when you're reading it. And my dad, on the other hand, would read all his newspapers and magazines in English. And every Sunday he would go to the what we call the candy store in New York, which was like a small groceries or bodegas where they sold all the candy and all that. And people used to call them candy stores. And we would go there, and that's where I would buy. My dad would buy all his magazines and sometimes paperback books, you know, Mickey Spillane, detective novels, you know, that Pulp Fiction thing. And I would buy my, basically, let's see, I, would, I had uh, Marvel Comics, so I Spider-Man, you know, Thor, Fantastic Four, 
And I would read my comics. He read his newspapers and his magazines. And my sister would buy comics, too. She'd read her Archie's and, and other comic books. So reading was one of the things we did a lot. And at the same time, I'm looking at the art in the comic books. Yeah. Um, then I would go out to an office, doctor's office, and I would pick up. There, there were these huge magazines. They don't exist anymore. Life magazine, Look magazine. And I would open them. There were beautiful photographs in these magazines. And then I would start looking at the photographs there. So it all had to connect with reading. It connected all with reading and looking at photographs and magazines, the visual with the word all the time. And that's where I first saw my first illustrator. And it was he used to sign his name very beautifully, Norman Rockwell. <laughs> Norman and Rockwell. I learned... Uh, in a comic book ad, I learned what Norman Rockwell was because I always said, I wish I could do that. Because when you open these spreads in Look Magazine or Life, these magazine formats were like uh, some of those fashion magazines that are still humongous out in the newsstands. Yeah. And uh, when you open those spreads, it was like having a painting in front of you. Mm. And he had some beautiful spreads when uh, we were going into space, the Gemini project to go you know, into space and then the moon. And I saw some, you know, great paintings there from Norman Rockwell. And all that, combined with the reading, uh, informed what I wanted to do with art. And that all started since I had opened my eyes and I could see and see pictures and read. To be in front of comics where the words and pictures are working in tandem to tell the story and then to... To immerse yourself, I can picture those giant magazines in your head just in them being surrounded by someone like Norman Rockwell's art. Right. Yeah, I can, I, can, I can see how evocative those stories would be. Um, that's great. Oh, that's great. But of course, when you go into a library, right, you, um, did, comics and magazines aren't often the thing that, that, that are put in front of children in, in libraries, or sometimes they don't even... They're not even carried in libraries. Did you, did you um, find yourself drawn to novels, to picture books, to to other medium there when you when you find yourself in a library? Well, what happened was, I used to go to a library, and this was already in Puerto Rico when okay. I mostly started doing that. So I was probably already yeah eleven years old when I really started going in. And the first place I would go to straight. The art, the, the art books. You, know, you knew wherever it. Wherever the art books You knew right went, where they were, yeah. I'm going there. I'm going. I would find out. If I didn't know, I would ask the librarian or whoever was there and find the section. And I'd spend, I could spend an hour there. I could spend two hours there. Wow. And I'd pick out all the books. And that's when I started seeing all these other artists. You know, the Impressionists, the uh, Van Goghs of the world, uh, the Rembrandts, all that stuff. And, um, that's where I would. That's where I started getting the fine arts into my system. Also, so started with the comic books. Actually, my sister's books too, because she was in eighth grade, and they had some nice illustrations on the books she had. I hated my books because I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was still like in second or first grade. Ah, these books are lame. I would <laughs> grab my sister's books. It has really good, nice illustrations. And um, so yeah, the library, the art part. And like I said, with my sister, her books, 
I read my first big story I read and became a big fan was because I saw the illustration and then I decided I'm going to read this story. And it was my sister's, she was four years older, so I was probably in third grade, so she was in seventh. And I'm here I am reading The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. <laughs> I, have no clue. I have no clue how I read those words because I, I read this, you know, I read it, read it again when I was an adult. And I said, how did I, I didn't know any of these words. This, this is impossible. <laughs> Yet I was drawn into the story. It scared me, too. I mean, I, but it it was also I saw the illustration that 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 big giant with a pumpkin head above his head you know and his his arms so yes all that combined with reading uh informed me but the library definitely i knew where the art section was yeah. and I, that's i was always drawn to go there first and i love i mean as a librarian now uh any one of us librarians listening could say well maybe even parents too could say you know when a kid finds what they're interested in you don't need to know how the library is organized. You just need to know where are they holding the books that I like? Where <laughs> exactly. is that section? I remember going I in and straight. looking for um, books about planes and aircraft. And it might have been because my dad raised me going to these air shows. But oh, I did, remember right? like going and looking out at the... Yeah, that's, that's so nice. It's so fun to so hear. So did you build model planes and all that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Built them, painted what, them. I did a lot of those, yeah. Totally. We yeah, used to... Um, fires and all that. Yeah. And, yeah. We would go to the 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 different uh, the different museums or the different air shows and and at the time I had no idea I think the significance of the things that I was being shown mm-hmm. uh, I marvel at them now we live uh, not a far ride out of DC um, and can go to the Air and Space Museum and of course it's beautiful oh, out yeah. of Dulles and uh, and I go there now with my child and think I wonder if at eight years old he can see at all with the same way that I was seeing as a, as a child where you just have wonder about it, but you just, you just maybe don't fully realize the magnitude of what you're observing. Right. Exactly. Well, I, I like that you tap into that. Oh, I did want to say also, I, I, you mentioned earlier that, you know, you were a kid and you were drawing and all I could think of was, it's so interesting that we all just draw as a kid. We all just do, but like that sense of wonder, there's, there's a point where some of us, we get to the age where we're like, I'm not really quote unquote good at drawing. I'm just going to stop drawing. Uh, <laughs> so it's fun to just think that like that we all follow our own pursuits, but where I was going to go is to back to imagine to have um, the, the, the different uh, art that the character is, is interacting with the uh, you talk about wanting Picasso in there, uh, wanting starry night in there, but couldn't quite find the fit, but finding um, Matisse and Rousseau and these different artists. And I think, um, and also mentioning though, that, that it wasn't really that you had a chance to, to be in front of a lot of this art until you were, you were older. And I think, mm-hmm. I think about what it, it, it just causes me to think about these, these different experiences that we do tuck away as children, that we all, we all have these different things that we experience. We experience as adults and as children, but, but how all of those different things uh, can play into the way we end up yeah. making and doing as we get older. Right. That's that's exactly right. And, um, you know, many times uh, I think about things like that. I said, did I actually recognize 
all this when I was very young or as I grew older, I thought about it later. And because, you know, it may have developed later. But I do know that I always looked at art that that I know always. It it was I saw a picture, a poster of Ben-Hur out there and, you know, in uh, 42nd Street and Times Square. Yeah. With all those horses, you know, and these giant posters that they used to make for Hollywood, um, and I, I would look at those things for for hours looking at them. If I could stop, take a nice time to look at, I would. And I was still a kid, so you know, I always did do that. So. I, <laughs> I remember looking. <laughs> this is so silly to say it, but among my comic books and my my um, Marvel cards my collectible cards i remember looking at the cover of star wars the vhs cover of star wars and looking at all the faces posed that way and just the the graphic elements that that were coming together to to be one solid image that told the entire story i remember yeah yeah but i gotta say when i think about imagine the the one last thing i want to say about it Oh, we didn't even gush about your art, though. I have to get back to that. But I wanted to say, because <laughs> um, I love, I just love, I'll, I'll get into it, the paper. I think it's the paper underneath. It's the texture. Uh, but I can see where, you know, childhood Raul is all throughout this book. When these characters uh, come out of this painting, this is uh, for those listening that haven't read the book yet, um, the, the characters that, that this boy is interacting with step out of the painting and they... Uh, not only does the boy have a moment to enjoy time in the painting, but then they come out into his world, and I can see these things that that it it maybe I'm putting on, but it felt like these are the things that you grew up loving, or that you just grew up remembering: the cyclone, the uh, going on the subway, being in the busy streets, the Statue of Liberty, the um, food from from the hot dog stands, dirty water hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. These are moments. These are moments yeah. that that are there. Whether or not, you know, your adulthood is is painting your memory in a different light. There are these solid, there are these solid, you know, concrete posts of your childhood that you can't, you just can't wave and um, you can't forget about. And I'm I'm glad that those moments are there because I can see knowing that you're this grown adult who's been making books for years, but yet here, here is a part of your childhood that you've tucked away in this book. You can see it. It just comes through, and it's wonderful. And you you are correct that all of those places I put in there, except for the going to the museum by myself, I went to. I mean, I was on the subway. Yes, I rode the subway. I did go to uh, Coney Island, yes, uh, Statue of Liberty as a kid. Actually, as an adult, I haven't been there. No. I there as, a, as, a, as a kid, I haven't been back. I don't go back now. Uh, I used to eat hot dogs. Uh, they, they used to have a stand in front of my school. You know, a little cart would go there. And I wouldn't go to uh, the uh, lunch, you know, at the cafeteria. I, I'd go outside. You were allowed to step outside and actually buy, if I want to buy a hot dog for lunch, I could. Oh, that's wild. I would buy my, I don't know what, what they cost, what, 15 cents maybe? Oh, sure. I don't know. Yeah, and uh, so I did that. Yeah, and uh, rode obviously the the cabs. Um, so all those things that I remember doing, I included in here. Yes, and that that w- that was part of uh, the attraction there. So except for the museum, modern of modern art, which is part of the uh, story here, 
I did all that other stuff. And uh, in this case, I have the uh, characters join me. Well, I mean, of course you would, wouldn't you, right? Like, if you if you made these new friends and they were in your your city, they were stepping into a new place for them, you'd want to do exactly the things that, that you love, that you feel like are iconic of this place where you are. So, well, I was giving them the tour. Yeah, yeah giving them the tour. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, the reason I did that, too, originally, I thought of, having that kid go into the paintings, yeah. interact. But then I saw this, um, and, and this is great that I saw it. I saw this, I don't know if it was a short movie, but I did see on, online, somebody had done a, a short movie where somebody walks into the paintings themselves. And it was, you know, real people. It wasn't an animation or anything. It had special effects. And, and these people go into the, pictures and famous ones too so they had all these actors playing the parts and um i said wait a minute somebody stole my idea right (laughs) (laughs) i can't have this Uh, so what i did is like you said i I had the boy go into the picture because he wanted to go in there and with the musicians picasso's musicians and i had to be careful with copyright by the way that's one of the reasons i couldn't use some of the paintings and had to i never i never reproduced the whole painting i had to cover it a little bit yeah they're skewed by people's people in front yeah yeah so uh he 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 goes in but now i say i gotta get him get them out of there into his world so you know it's a little more original if they come out and he just takes them let's go to you know down let's go party in the city and that's that's it that's what i did well so i was saying to you i think also before recording that i uh one of my first interactions i ever had with your art or um in in also my career in teaching is is reading um pat mora's book um tomas and the library lady right Yes, and you were ta- you were reminding me that that is a well loved book li- by librarians. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but from the moment that I saw your art there, all the way through today, that iconic style that you have, I'm realizing is is sort of threefold. And and if if you'll allow me the pleasure, here are the three things that that I see or hear as your voice that I just find uh, so wonderful, and that is that. Uh, one, I feel like you've got such a beautiful um, attraction to color and to how color lays on top of each other. So often you're laying uh, the the yellows and oranges right up against the blues and greens. And there's just something about that that speaks of light and speaks of, 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 of looking and of uh, illumination that I think is something that I've always found has caused me to look closer at your art and the second thing is that you it feels like you love people and i what i mean by that is the way you draw people and the way you draw people next to one another and in in, in proximity with one another it just i don't know if it's that you you just have grown up around a lot of love and have continued to love others that you see good in people that you care for the characters you're making. There's so much love there and the way that you draw and those lines that you draw them in. And the third that I wanted to share is that it always looks like to me, your fingerprints are on the paper of your art. And I realized that 
probably it's more that you're using watercolor or, or color pencil over top of a textured paper is probably what's causing that effect in me. But it always appears to me like that's the artist's thumbprint there all over that art. So those three things I feel like are just unwavering in in all that you do. And it just, it, I'm smiling now. I can't say it with a straight face. I just love, I love that about you. And so to have that, to have my opportunity to to wrap that book around my head and be in your world when I read Imagine and when I read other books like that is just sheer pleasure. And I know that many, many, many readers uh, would say the same about your work, uh, just in great adoration. And now a brief word from our sponsors. The Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Storyteller Academy. Learn the art of storytelling from published authors, illustrators, and editors at Storyteller Academy. Listeners of the Children's Book Podcast are invited to a free mini class. Enroll today at www.storytelleracademy.com wonder. Or click on the Storyteller Academy banner at matthewcwinner.com podcast. The Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Gallery Nucleus, an art gallery and bookstore where you can find prints, books, and other gifts from some of your favorite children's book illustrators like John Clausen, Christian Robinson, and more. Gallery Nucleus is offering listeners 15% off your next purchase by entering in the promo code WONDER18. Visit gallerynucleus.com to discover more or click on the Gallery Nucleus banner at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast. Thank you. And, um, the truth is, uh, you know, uh, you gotta thank my mom for that. <laughs> mom. First of all, my dad, my dad, my dad is a, a very, how should I say, uh, laid back. Let's put it that way. He's a laid back, easygoing fellow. My mom was the the one who moved things around. She's yeah. right, but my mom was, like I said, very religious, and I grew up always thinking, you know. If you can help somebody else, do it. And empathy was something that I was taught as a child. You know, you have to show empathy. And, you know, and she, not only she would preach it, I remember my mom watching television when I was very young, when the civil rights movement was taking place. Uh, and my mom, I should say, is, and I'll say, I'll use the term Caucasian. She's Caucasian. She, she looks, people thought she was Italian or something. Um, my mom is sitting there one day watching television and one of the demonstrations, I, I can't tell you which one it might have been, goes wrong, right? And the police come in and they're beating up on all these folks in the South with billy clubs and, mm. you know, all that, all that, the ugly stuff that happened in the uh, civil rights movement. And she was in tears and she could there wasn't only tears that she was hurting to see that. She was also angry. <laughs> I mean, you know, she was showing some sort of rage that this was happening. And um, I, I always remember that, that she uh, had that feeling of, you know, justice, sense of justice and injustice. And you had the people who were mistreated, you know, you, you always have to defend the little guy, always be with the little guy, help him out, you know, that kind of thing. So I guess that some of that, I actually learned something then. <laughs> just imprinted on you, stuck, it sounds stuck, like. Yeah, stuck, it did. Stuck, stuck with me, yeah. <laughs> Way to go, Mom. Yeah. 
And then to just find yourself, I mean, as you do, you just continue to express it throughout your life. Yeah. I think that I, I would like to think that any one of us could could find those those moments that just imprinted on us so deeply that we can't help but express them or continue to work through them throughout our adult life. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, and the truth is, um, to, to be, to keep the story real, okay, uh, my mom and I ended up having disagreements because she wanted me to continue more on the uh, spiritual side of things for her, oh, okay. what she considered spiritual. And I decided, Mom, I want to be an artist <laughs> and not a minister or anything like that. <laughs> so we, we did have our, that's why I say, despite all that, uh, <laughs> I still kept a lot of the uh, stuff she, she, she taught me, you know, and I guess it it's, it's stayed with me. So, Well, I think that her influence is there, and yeah. it's great that you've, you've been able to find that voice yourself and, and express. I... Um, you know, I, I keep thinking about all these wonderful readers and I keep thinking just how grateful I am that that you have been in the life of how all these readers growing uh, or that I have seen growing as I've been teaching. Um, Raul, before we wrap up our time, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for the beautiful, beautiful books you make. I want to thank you for um, new books always coming out. I have in my hand also <laughs> Book Joy, Word Joy, your new book with Pat Morrow. Yeah. And I... Man, this book of poetry is like gorgeous, but there's, I can't, re I, I often like to read excerpts of books on, on, you know, the, the podcast so that people get a sense of the book. And I feel like, well, with Imagine, it's a wordless book. And I think we've done the best we could to illuminate those illustrations, but otherwise people will have to go looking. But I wonder if you would mind if I read just one poem of Pat's from this, this book, Joy, Word Joy that you have coming out. Would that be Okay. Of course. Because, I mean, there's so it. many. So many are so good. And you know that, man. Pat, Let's see which one you chose. So you know Pat probably <laughs> much, much greater than I do. But I, um, well, there's, come, I mean, come on. There's always library magic. I, <laughs> I, um, I don't think I can, I can avoid reading library magic. But even from her very first poem is, is gorgeous. So if you don't mind, I'll read. Sure. Vamos. Let's go to the library. Tomas says to his family, he shows them his favorite books and his cozy reading nooks. Vamos, let's go to the library. Tomas says to his friends, hurry. They see libros and stacks and rows. They laugh at funny puppet shows. Vamos, let's all go to the library. Join the fun, a treasure house that's free. Bring your friends and family, stories, computers, maps, and more. Open the magic door. Like Tomas, savor books and soar. Be a reader. Explore galore. Ah, I love it. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Great. You read it perfectly, yeah. She'll I, be happy with it. <laughs> oh, boy. I, mm, I think many so. people will be reading those poems all year long. But um, before we go, there's two things I'm going to ask. Um, or two things I'm going to say. First, I want to thank you again for your time, for making books, for your devotion to our readers. I and many, many others so greatly appreciate it. Thank you, Raul. Oh, thank you, Matthew. And we'll end with uh, a word to your readers. Raul, I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you? Well, I think I mentioned it a little bit. So I want you all 
to realize one thing. You all love to draw, most of you do at least, and you've drawn a lot and you like drawing pictures and looking at pictures because I know you, I've visited a lot of your colleagues in other schools. But the one thing I always try to remind all of you children, all of you, is that reading, reading is what leads to great art. A lot of the great artists I've read about, they also like to read. You know, Picasso liked to read. Van Gogh could write some beautiful letters, which is another great artist. And many others just uh, did both. They could write. They could paint. They were even musicians. But to do all that, uh, they needed to read. And I always want to emphasize that you want to really have your imagination take off, read a lot and look at pictures. And in the case of a wordless picture book, I suggest that if you ever get your hands on Imagine, I want you to write some words for it. Because yeah, I have had a lot of young children write words to my wordless picture books and they write their own stories. So read and write. That's the best recommendation I can give you. And hopefully you'll become um, whatever you want to become in the future and be a success. This is Kate Narita, fourth grade teacher and author of the book, 100 Bugs, a Counting Book. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. Before we leave, I want to give a shout out to all of my patrons, those folks who are supporting the podcast and helping keep the lights on care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Jenny Sue, Amy, Kate, Darshana, Nicole, Jarrett, Mike, Link, Anitra, Lynn, Cynthia, Doug, Amanda, Ruth, Laura, Judy, Karina, Teresa, Elaine, and others who are coming with me on this journey. You are welcome to join us. Just visit patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner and pick the support tier that's right for you. Teamwork makes the dream work, and each of you are helping to provide the tools necessary to make this podcast even greater. Thank you. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. 
So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.